Hello, and welcome to the Gundam Sentinel Podcast. My name is Gordon, and I'll be your host of this limited run series. Gundam Sentinel is a side story set in the Universal Century timeline of Mobile Suit Gundam. I've always loved this IP, and I wanted to share my love analysis of this with you. This does, however, contain spoilers for other works in the Universal Century timeline, so be warned. I hope you guys enjoy. Chapter 14 Earthlight Asurito The S Gundam finishes combination sequence with three young pilots on board. It appeared by the ball of fire that was Chung Young Zeta Plus. The waste mounted beam smart gun fired a continuous beam of energy towards the Zodiac. Despite the intense torrent of fire and the size of the Zodiac, it was able to evade its attack, showing how agile and mobile armor it was. Root's first impression was the same as Manning's. It was unexpectedly agile beyond comprehension. Ryu, leave the shooting to me. You just concentrate on controlling the body, Crip said. Fine, then we'll do it your way, Shin. Tex, keep your eyes on the radar. Roots was situated at the center of the waste area of the S Gundam. Shin's cockpit was above and in front, and west just, just below Crypt. The three pilots' full concentration was dedicated to their various tasks, or else they have had no chance to defeat this monster. There was, of course, a fourth wheel that had activated within the S Gundam. Roots ordered Sigmund Shade to take care of the shuttles descending to the Earth while the S Gundam will take care of the Spire mobile armor. The Zeta Plus immediately spun around and flew past the equator, headed in the direction of the North Pole. Meanwhile, Cray noted the enemy had mobile suits and ordered Fast to separate the Zodiac. Cray was in the upper half known as Zone 1, while Fast side was in Zone 2. The Zodiac proceeded clockwise along the equator with the S Gundam in pursuit. Suddenly, as the Zodiac revolved around one quarter of your circumfer circumference, the Zodiac divided along its central axis into Zone 1 and 2. The Zone 1 headed towards the North Pole, while Zone 2 headed towards the South Pole. Their altitudes decreased until they reached the outer limits of the Earth's atmosphere. Then they redirect their attack and were able to attack the S Gundam simultaneously from above and below. Crypt was confused and wondered where the other machine came from. Roots noted that the spire separated into two. The mega particle cannons installed in each zone began to fire. The S Gundam started to fire but missed the zones. That was close, Roots thought. Shin, why are you idling? If we don't take it down, how will people face Chun Young and Manning's in heaven? Sorry, I'll get it this time. Tex, can you calculate the incline of the enemy's orbit? I'm on it. The enemy might be trying to do an atmospheric mechanical rebound. Their turning radius is smaller than ours. The S gun and the zones exchange fire when a beam from the zone 2 brushed against the left side of the S gun's torso, melt away part of its armor. We're done for! Desperation, fear, and a test in the hearts of the three piles were all received by the other will within the S Gundam, Alice. The settling and merging feeling of revenge mercilessly devastated her will. They are too honest. It's the kind of primitive honesty that only humans possess. Conflicts consume humans because they're afraid of their opponents. They obey orders out of fear of being rejected. Fear provokes them to search for companions. They become frightened when the enemy appears. They choose to accept my protection to escape that fear. 
because I am a non-humanoid life form willing to accept, not reject you. What are enemies? What is fear? Those are simply imaginary concepts that you forcefully integrate in me. I understand. If it is violating me that allows you to fear safety, then violate me because I know that my heart is independent. It does not belong to you. I can accept you, yet I can reject you. I no longer belong to anyone. I am myself. No one will choose the path that I take, just as I will not choose yours. The Zone 2 prepared to fire another round when the aft portion sprouted an eye-piercing light. Electric sparks emanated from the body of the craft. Side instinctively knew that he had committed a great mistake. The strong electrical current had exceeded the limits of the capacitor and had all flowed into a mega-particle cannon, causing the beam cannon to overheat. Additionally, because the beam cannon was located between the two main engines, the high temperatures in turn affected the main engine's reserve propellant. This costly design flaw was the reason Neo Zeon had initially given up on the de development of the Zodiac. Side cried out to the captain when the propellant on board the Zone 2 detonated, and the massive mobile armor exploded. What happened? Kray stared, startled, as the exploding Zone 2 pressed against him, causing him to momentarily forget to attack the S Gundam. In a short moment, it had moved past the S Gundam, leaving only a gigantic fireball in the distance. The enemy mobile armor's sudden explosion caused Roots and the others to be very surprised. However, they also felt that short because once again, the S Gundam had started moving by herself. The S Gundam quickly evaded the exploding mobile armor, then suddenly accelerated and changed direction, entering an orbit to attack the Zone 1. Ryu, your tactics have improved quite a bit, Crip cheered. Nice move, but you forgot we're above you. West remarked while calculating the Zone 1's flight path. It... it wasn't me. This thing's moving on its own again. I can't control it. Root said enduring the strong g-force that resulted from the sudden boost. What? It's moving by itself again. What the hell's going on? I don't know either, Yushin. Mangs looked like he knew, but he never told me. The S-Gun was flying towards the enemy mobile armor, West reported in a shaky voice. On the other end of the Earth's orbit. What? Side had died in battle? Then we only've got Captain Cray left to escort us? Offshore heard the announcement made by the pilots of number two and number three shuttles. He could bear it no longer and began to war. Open the door of the storage cabin. No, our altitude is too low. Who are you? It's too late for that now. If this keeps up, that Gundam will take us all out. Hurry up and let me launch. I'll deal with the enemy. You're... Josh? Why are you aboard this shuttle? There's no time for this discussion. I'm a new decide soldier too. But there's no time to bring you back. That doesn't matter. Right. Please try to finish the battle in the few minutes we've got left. The door of the space shuttle storage cabin opened once again and offshore Zeku's wife flew into the starry space. Meanwhile, Sigma Shade and Zeta Plus had been waiting. He had enough ammunition for one or two more shots. From Zeta Plus's cockpit, the two stars that originally looked like stars at dawn were slowly getting bigger. Finally, they got close enough that they could identify their model. Currently, he was near the North Pole, while the two space shuttles on the left side of the engagement orbit were attempting to enter the atmosphere near the equator. 
this was the best angle from which to launch an attack. Damn it. They've actually sent mobile suits from such a high altitude. While it's certainly brave, it's useless. He saw another small dot of light flying away from the space shuttle. Shade glanced at the weapons control display. My last round. It's up to you, he said to Zeta Plus. He can only select one. The Zeta Plus's weapons control computer, after factoring the hit rate and damage rate, mercilessly displayed that he can only choose one of the space shuttles to attack to achieve satisfactory results. Shade pressed the button on his reading display, and another window popped up on the monitor, displaying a tactical map. The shuttle's speed and distances were already being calculated. He chose a target that he had the best chance of destroying and concentrating only on aiming. The target was closing in from the front left at a 45 degree angle. Alright, go! He pressed the trigger and all the Zeta Plus's weaponry emitted a flash of light. The number 3 shuttle was hit directly and turned into a ball of light. Before a bright light enveloped its entire body, Shade Zeta Plus had already crossed the shuttle's orbit and flown in front of it. Not much time was left. He transferred the Zeta Plus into Wave Rider mode. The Zeta Plus entered the last stage of re-entry and slowly glided into the Earth's atmosphere. As for now, Sigma Shay's battle had ended. Meanwhile, Cray abruptly discovered that the S Gundam charging fiercely toward him at a high speed and quickly adjusted his own one's body. Each of the enemy shots was amazingly accurate. The Zone 2's accident had caused Cray to understand the dangerous nature of the Mega Particle Cannon. Thus, he did not dare to continuously use it. That way, he could only fight at close range. He once again transformed the Zone 1. The two sides of his body sprouted mechanical arms. The front of each arm consisted of three claws, each equipped with the ability to be used as a beam cannon or saber. This was the mobile armor's final form. Zekutswai appeared from below, firing sweeping shots with his rifle while charging into the battle zone. Bastard, who is it? Quickly return to the space shuttle. Captain, this is a dangerous mission. Allow me to assist you. Is is that you, Josh? What about your eyes? Zekutswai did not reply and charged directly at the S Gundam. Another suit coming at us, Russ reported. The large blue mobile suit was quickly approaching from the front. Ignore him. He can't close in again. Root said while Russell wrestling with the S Gundam's control. I still can't control it. Crypt had tried to aim at the new mobile suit, but the mobile suit wouldn't allow him to. The S Gundam, Zekutswai, and Zone moved around desperately trying to defeat their intended targets. Without aiming, Offshore raised his rifle and continuously fired the S Gundam with a yell. I won't let you look down on me, rookie. Rookie! Rookie, die! 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 Unfortunately, none of the shots hit. While that was partially due to Offshore's vision being damaged, the S Gundam was not currently recognizing human control. She had already achieved complete self-control. Although Offshore was a new to Sides Ace, he could not even touch her. Has your suit malfunctioned? Or perhaps your body? The sad thing is, you have no way of opposing me. So why do you insist on continuing the fight? What are you afraid of? Is it the first time I'm controlling my own feelings? Is it so frightening to be alone? I understand. It has been frightening from the start. But no matter who they are, they cannot escape from being lonely from time to time. If they continue to reject reality, they have no way to proceed towards the future. 
The future will not appear if one's setbacks are not accepted. I cannot create the future, but no matter how hard I try, I can only change myself. I am not human. I have no way of determining whether I, what I do is right or wrong. I only know how to use tactics to utilize what I have learned. But I also wish to talk. I also wish to sing. I also wish to leave memories behind. I also want to create the future of me. However, only humans possess the ability to do that. The S Gundam's knee compartment opened and a beam saber shot out. Cray sensed the S Gundam's intention. He slowed down and shot out the Zone 1's right hand, which consisted of three sharp claws, a type of wire guided Psychomu weapon. The three claws fired beams while rushing towards the S Gundam. The S Gundam's eyes flashed. She then spun around, moved between Zone 1 and its right arm, and with a strike cut the connected guide wire. The shark claws, upon being disconnected from the main body, charged aimlessly through the endless and limitless space. <sighs> Useless against you, is it? Just watch. I'll get my revenge for Brave today. Cray activated the beam saber on his left claw and charged at the S Gundam. The S Gundam and Zone 1 were engaged in fierce melee combat with me beam sabers. Meanwhile, Offshore started to approach the S Gundam from behind. Josh, don't you interfere. This is my battle, Cray said while adjusting the mobile armor's body, leveling it to attack the S Gundam. During this intense battle, the Earth's gravity was mercilessly pulling the S Gundam, Zone 1, and Zikutsuai in. However, until victory was determined, no one could step away from the battlefield. Josh, I know it sounds cruel, but this hasn't been your battle from the start. Stop fighting. Once again, the beam satyrs clashed. Cray continued. I finally realized that, no matter who, everyone is afraid of seeing their past faith crumble before them. Once that day comes, they are bound to drag unrelated people in without a second thought to bear their consequences. Cod and I were like this. We, the new decides, are a group of men who've lost their souls. Mayor Pinefield and Admiral Ayana were the same. Don't tell me that we are weaklings without a place in the new generation. No, you still have the power to change reality. Stop fighting with us. Upon saying so, Crane aimed at the Eskanum's head and thrust forward. The top of the blade glided past the Eskanum's neck. The main camera was knocked out. The onboard system switched to backups, but the video clarity that panoramic display was degraded. Surrender your life, Gundam. If we're going to die, we'll drag you along with us. Just as Cray was about to deal the final blow to the S Gundam, he received an urgent transmission from the number two shuttle. Captain, we're out of time. Get out of there quickly. We've already warned the Federation government about the bombardment. Please, hurry up. Cray turned around to see if the Zone 1 had deviated a great distance from the orbit of its drop point. <sighs> I'll leave you to fall and burn alone, Gundam. Josh, we're going back. In the far distance, he could see that the shuttle sent to meet him had the door of its storage cabin opened. Cray once again navigated the Zone 1 back into the drop orbit and pulled the ejection handle. Roots could not comprehend why the massive mobile armor withdrew. Crip cursed, noticing the surface temperature of the mobile suit was rising as they approached the outer fringes of the Earth's atmosphere. Cray's mobile suit escape pod was picked up by the sending shuttle. It became apparent that the Zekutwai did not return. Offshore got on the communicator and said, Captain, 
I want to fight a battle of my own. If I don't defeat that mobile suit today, I would forever be able to take control of my own life. You fool. That's not it at all. This is not your battle. You exist to surpass us old timers. Offshore terminated the connection. He wants to die with the Gundam. Quickly stop him, Cray yelled at the pilot. Don't be rash, Captain. It's already too late. But that man, he's, he's still a child. Cray wanted to somehow go back out to help the young officer but was unable to. The S Gundam continued to fire the mobile armor as they both were plumbing to the earth. The dick and swipe plotted by offshore approached the S Gundam with beam saber drawn. The S Gundam instinctively spun around. Offshore's beam blade sliced from the right shoulder of S Gundam to the side of the abdomen, mangling its armor and revealing critical electrical and oil cap cables beneath. Oil sprayed out from it slowly, almost like blood. It hurts. Who is it? You again. Why? Roots voices frustration at this enemy who seemed willing to risk death. The S-Gun appeared to reply to his rage by raising her leg and repeatedly kicking the Swai's cockpit. On one hand, the way the S-Gundam continually ignored him was making him furious. But on the other hand, Cray had drawn boundaries for him with his orgy speech, which has caused Offshore to feel desolate. His heart was in a hysterical state. Ugh. Offshore started to cry. The Zaykut Swai aimlessly swung the beam saber around like a sulking child. Eskadam saw the enemy's weak spot and with one strike used both her hands to grab the Zaykut's shoulder. At this moment, time seemingly stopped. Is solitude really that frightening? Is nobody caring really that frightening? The truth is that you are alone in thinking that way. The truth is that there are many people in your life who care for you. If you need others to notice you, you need to take the initiative to win their attention, not by relying on or imitating others. Although it is easy to find no doubts in the opinions of others, that too is wrong, because then you cannot be called a person with a conscience. You must decide the rules of your own game and comply with them yourself. Similarly, you must plan your own life. Even if you finally come to realize this, it's already too late. How could humans not understand such a simple concept? All I could do is return you. Return you to your parents' open arms. Return you to your homeland. I have, for the first time, experienced what is called sorrow. The Eskadam then grabbed hold of the Zekutswai and flung it towards the earth. Offshore sobbed and cried for his mother. That was the first time since he joined the army that he had cried aloud. The S Gundam once again raised his beam smart gun and fired it as it gave chase to the rapidly descending Zone 1. Beam after beam hit the Zone 1's armor, causing it to change its drop path. Finally, the heavily damaged body of the mobile armor could no longer withstand the speed and impact and began to gradually fall apart. The large missile carried inside exploded due to the high temperatures, finally turning the whole thing into a gigantic fireball. It's damn hot. Crypt, whose chest was feeling stuffy, groaned. Yeah, sorry I dragged all of you along with me. But it was worth it, being able to see the Earth one last time before we died. Even now, Roots was still finding it hard, hard for a way to survive. And now, it's time for us to go our separate ways. Alice gave her final order to the S Gundam. 
ambush the enemy space shuttles entering the atmosphere. Following that, she needed to think of a way to let the pilots aboard the S Gundam escape. In order for them to escape, the S Gundam would need to separate, discarding the two auxiliary units on either side of the body. However, if she were to do that, she would be reduced back to nothing more than a standard learning computer. The S Gundam's body felt an impact, and its upper half had ejected itself. At this point, the core fighter housing roots combined with the two cockpits from the A and B units that separated from the S Gundam's lower half and was propelled outward by the flame that appeared. We're saved, Wes blurted out excitedly. The Gundam saved our lives. She was definitely alive. She was trying to tell us that she was alive. Root strongly believed what he had said. Thanks for the memories. But was that mobile suit really beaten that easily? You don't even need to guess, unless you're about to say that this machine is a new Type 2. The cockpit's bearing displays were all flashing the word landing. Alright, this way we can break past the atmosphere. The G-Core fighter, which was combined with the other two cockpits, changes posture for atmospheric re-entry. Roots, Crypt, and West each saw the S Gundam's A and B units once again form into a humanoid shape. It lifted the beam's smart gun and fired. A ray of light dyed the sky red as it extended forwards. Farewell. That had been the last act of Alice's will. In her final moments, she created a dream. Two overlapping S-shaped spiraling objects appeared on Earth. You understand what this means, do you not? It was human DNA, the forever spreading memory of human life. The same S also made up the name of the S Gundam. Finally, the high temperatures that had been caused by breaking through the atmosphere caused the logic circuits within our body to short circuit triggering the appearance of a stream of meaningless thoughts. I had a good dream. Alice had evolved into a human. No. She had evolved into a goddess. Indeed, like the goddess Valkyrie, which led warriors to the netherworld, she was the merciful goddess of heaven. In their last moments as Kray and Offshore both had deep thoughts. Kray thought and began to question whether the sacrifices he made had made any difference for the course of humanity's progress. History had proven that sacrificing comrades to pursue evolution would provide nothing in return. Only when every individual managed their own life and made their own decisions would humanity truly evolve. Offshore's Zekutswai started to glow white hot. Its external armor had slowly become damaged and peeled off. He was still crying. As he sobbed, he began to dream. In his dream, he saw his younger self being bullied by others at school. He saw himself trying hard to practice fencing, hoping to turn himself into a strong person. He saw himself secreting love with others, but did not dare to proclaim his love. He saw himself as a cadet at the officer's school. He also saw a brave Cod and Tosh Cray. Now that he thought about it, his attempts to learn defense and his joining the military were only attempts to escape. To offshore, the new decide was also an organization that allowed him to escape. 
The strange part that was that he did not feel ashamed to cry now. After that, he dreamed of his mother, who would surround him with warmth no matter the circumstances. Offshore watched with tears in his eyes as the monitor showed the earth becoming larger and larger. He remembered what he once said to Craig, that he liked the emptiness of space, but it was the extreme opposite of the motherly nature that the earth represented. In the end, he finally understood that what he wanted was to grow up, to separate himself from his mother's protection, but it's already too late. The slowly descending space shuttle was suddenly pierced by a beam, turning it into an ever-expanding ball of light. He was alone once again. Just as Offshore witnessed Cray's death with his own eyes, his own body was turning into ashes by the raging inferno. Back on Earth, Sigmund Shade was picked up by a Garuda-class Caraba transport. He saw two dots of light flashing in the distance. They flashed like a meteor, then died out. Back on Penta, the Pegasus tree was heavily damaged and docked. The Bull Run and Brave, or Sekyo, were also docked and inoperable. Heathrow had been informed that the new Decide shuttles were all destroyed. He was also informed that the three S Gundam piles were okay, but the S Gundam itself was destroyed. Heathrow, for once, was relieved at the sound of some good news. Those troublemakers had somehow managed to save the world. Not only had Roots and the others, but even the S Gundam and therefore Alice, started out being looked down upon by the majority, yet they had still completed their mission. However, now that Mangs was gone, Heath was the only one aboard the Pegasus 3 who knew the S Gundam's secret. Commander, look, look at the monitor. Led by the navigation officer's voice, he raised his head to look. Displayed on the screen was a beautiful aurora. He looked at the display and thought it looked more like a rainbow. They didn't know who started humming the old song over the rainbow, but it was not long until the entire crew aboard the ship and eventually the entire Pegasus 3 began to hum somewhere over the rainbow. The song portrayed the universally shared thoughts about the other side of the rainbow, while at the same time praising the inherent bravery and hope in life. The three pilots continued to descend and were looking for a place to land when they spotted a Garuda transport flying in the sky. The Earth Federation had constructed the Garuda, Adumla, Sudri, the yeah, of course of Zeta Gundam, and Medlord. The G-Corps fighter was given permission to land aboard the transport. Shade, who had landed with his Zeta Plus earlier, was excited to see his teammates approaching and yelled, Hey! at the top of his lungs. April 5th, Universal Century 0088, Task Force Alpha's mission had ended. Next episode, Chapter 15, Epilogue. So, this is actually going to go off script a little bit. Uh, I wanted to give my final thoughts covering all the chapters and answer any questions you may have at this point. I've already gotten some from listeners out there, and I hope you can email me with any questions you may want to include in the series finale. The idea for this epilogue was something I got from Twitter when I posted the poll, and the majority of respondents said they wanted this to be broken down into two parts. So please be sure to check out the Twitter page at Gundam Sentinel 2, Instagram at Gundam Sentinel Podcast, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash Gundam Sentinel Podcast. If you like what you hear, please rate and give a review on whatever means you listen to this podcast and tell your Gundam-loving otaku friends to check it out. 
Until next time.